Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Mayor Aaron Mendenhall has presented a $445 million budget proposal to the Salt Lake City Council. At last, there is a plan for 21st South and the return of the Exchange Place block party. It's another Friday in our city, which means lead producer Emily Means is here to help me round up the week's stories. It's Friday, May 5th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. It's budget season. Ooh, my favorite time of year. <laughs> There's nothing more <laughs> alluring than the city budget. Well, alluring, not so sure. Important, though. Mm. I think we could we could argue this is the most important thing our, our city does. Yeah, let's get into it. Mayor Aaron Mendenhall stood before the city council on Tuesday night and said, I would like $445 million, please. <laughs> Uh, you have until June 30th to either approve or refute, gather public input, go through this whole process to ultimately vote on what our city budget will be starting July 1st into June 30th of next year. What's in this thing? All right, let's take a look-see. So this $445 million proposal from Mayor Mendenhall is... A $19 million increase from last fiscal year. Uh, the mayor says that's mostly due to inflation. And they say they're going to cover it without increasing property taxes. So how does how does that math work? More parking tickets. More parking. <laughs> that's it. It's parking tickets. That's yep. what it is. Library late fees. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do those anymore. We don't do those I know, anymore. I know. <laughs> okay, so there is some interesting stuff in here. And I'm going to try not to get too bogged down in the numbers unless I think they're really important. I trust you. Okay, uh, I'll do my best. So we're going to see some funding in this for the creation of the Great Salt Lake Shoreline Preserve. That's kind of fun, Allie. What do you think about that? Well, ever the cynic, I think that the Great Salt Lake is the hottest issue in the city and it's an election year. I think it's interesting that the council is considering things like the North Point Warehouse development, Mm. which happens to be near the Great Salt Lake and would have a detrimental environmental impact to it at the same time that we're seeing a shoreline preserve in the budget. I mean, I think think this this puts a little bit of a bow, right? on um, an environmental effort. But that's that's me, like, ever the cynic, right? I'm like, okay, the inland port, like, yeah. but also we'll have the shoreline preserve. And what even is the Great Salt Lake shoreline preserve? Like, what what is that? Oh, just like an effort to, uh, you know, preserve the shoreline. <laughs> okay, yep, sounds good. 
I mean, pretty straightforward, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I like this because uh, they listed the the parties involved in bringing this proposal to the mayor. And there was like the Duck Organization. Uh, yeah. They mentioned the West Point Community Council. So I did think that that was interesting that that's something they asked for. And uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Great Salt Lake, I tend to think of it more as a state issue than a city issue. But I mean, you have to remember that the city's boundaries does bump up against the Great Salt Lake, our namesake. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What else is in here? Moving along. We've got $10 million for affordable housing. Yeah. Okay. So the cost of like basically one plot in downtown Salt Lake to build housing on. Feels like a drop in the bucket, but it is on top of funding they're already dedicating towards this issue. Also kind of wrapped up in this $272,000 for tenant relocation services when people are displaced by gentrification. Okay. So that's important because, I mean, like, this is this is an issue that we're dealing with in our city, right? Like, we see uh, market rate apartment complexes coming in and, you know, knocking down longstanding affordable housing. And then the tenants who live there aren't able to continue living in the area. So this is dedicated funding to make sure those tenants can find a place to live after. Okay, but 272000 like, this is the thing, right, is as you start to, like, pull apart elements of this budget and you square it with the actual cost of living in this city, this is a tiny budget. This budget is simply too small. I mean, a fourth of it is for policing, which I feel like we're probably going to get into. But, like, $272,000 can't buy you a house anywhere in Salt Lake City. And it can't buy you a house in the kind of neighborhoods that are being gentrified. It could have bought you a house in Rose Park four years ago, but not now, right? Yes. So is that, that doesn't seem like a lot of money to help relocate multiple families. I'm wondering too, if the money is more like, are we funding a couple of positions to help people Mm. find places to live? Like a caseworker. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Or are we actually putting money in people's pockets to aid in their efforts? Right, we'll pay your rent for the first six months or something like that. Exactly, exactly. But you mentioned policing, Allie, and this is always one of the most interesting budgets for me to look at because it is generally the biggest departmental budget in the city's general fund. So what we're seeing this year is a $7 million increase in the policing budget, and that bumps it up to a total of $111 million. And included in that, something that I found kind of interesting, Allie, is the creation of a civilian response team, which will respond to issues without the threat of force. I think that that's pretty big for this Mm -hmm. city, and it was a recommendation possibly by the city's Racial Equity and Policing Commission, but really important there. And, you know, those are full-time staffers, and so that is, that's a pretty hefty cost. Yep. But when we're comparing the policing budget to any other departmental budget from the general fund, I mean, it just dwarfs everything. Oh, yeah. I mean... 10.2 we could even 10.2 million dollars for transit projects we saw another 10.3 million in here for like you know sidewalk repair kind of stuff so let's go ahead and group those together we'll say like streets and transit 
$20.5 million policing $111 million. Like, it's tough to square. It's tough to square. Well, the city is growing, right? And, you know, there is a feeling in some neighborhoods that police are not responding to things in an appropriate amount of time. There are public safety concerns in certain neighborhoods. So I, you know, I think that the policing budget probably in any city will almost always be the biggest one. But it is really jarring to me to compare it to something like the community and neighborhoods budget, which considers housing and homelessness needs, Mm -hmm. our biggest needs in the city, I would say. uh, And that's only $32 million compared to the police's. So um, yes, there's so much more to dig into. We've only scratched the surface, but I would encourage everyone to get involved with the budget process immediately. Yeah. Well, there are two things in here that I wanted to add that I thought were really interesting. One, e-bike rebates. Did you see that? Oh, no. It's being discussed, but like there, the specifics aren't really laid out. But yeah. allocation of funds for e-bike rebates. And I wonder if this could look similar to the program in Denver, which basically they did a program in Denver where they would give you $1,200 towards buying an e-bike if you were a Denver resident. And cool. they ran, they were like vouchers, basically. It was a voucher program. And they ran out of vouchers like so fast because people were like, no problem. And so as someone who's thinking about buying an e-bike right now, I'm like, wait, do I wait and see if a voucher program comes to pass? Ooh, so neat. that's curious. Yeah. And then the other thing I think is, you know, when we talk about the budget uh, in here is the creation of a program to reimburse city employees for quality of life expenses. So like mm. hiring a financial advisor, like putting towards like buying a home or like health and wellness stuff, skiing, yoga, whatever. And I think when you see stuff like that in the budget, it's just an important reminder that the mayor is also like a lot of people's boss, right? Like, <laughs> like not just like not just like the boss. chief executive of the city, but like a lot of people's boss. And it is nice to see like these kinds of things in the budget because that is good leadership. And like, if I was a city employee, I'd be thrilled to see it. And I think city employees work really hard and they deserve it. So that's good stuff. But I love that you brought up participation because as we said, we have until June 30th to get this budget signed, sealed and delivered. And public participation is really important, but I also understand why people don't participate because it's hella boring. It's so dull. It's so dry. Allie, it's funny because, you know, I used to report in Park City and I covered the Park City government and Park City residents are really engaged on certain things. Like there was a two hour public comment for e-bikes on trails. (laughs) But when I would cover the budget hearings, not a peep from anyone, not a soul to be found in the council chambers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, this is probably the most proactive way to participate in city government, because once the budget is set, it really sets the tone for the rest of the year. And so um, Salt Lake City has a pretty good budget website. I'm a fan of it generally. And it has a really fun slogan, which is, it's your city. It's your business. (laughs) Cute. That's very cute. Parks and Rec. Yeah, so, very. Yeah, would love to see more people get involved in that. And, uh, you know, best of luck. Yeah. The council also has an upcoming public hearing on May 16th. There'll be another one June 6th. But May 16th is the soonest. It's at 7 p.m. So if you are able to make it to that hearing and, you know, you can weigh in on some of these measures, 
do that. I do quickly want to say something I think is the new frontier in city budgeting and that we should all be considering and potentially asking for in Salt Lake is participatory budgeting, which is something that the very cool city of South Salt Lake, a.k.a. Sosala, Sosala. We're not calling it Sosala. We're calling it (laughs) Sosala Lake. Um, They started piloting last year this thing called Flash Vote, which is basically where residents would get a text when their city council was going to vote on something. And then they could like vote via text. They are trying to take specifically led by council member at large, Natalie Pinckney, baby steps towards exploring the idea of participatory budgeting. Hmm. Basically, participatory budgeting is something we're starting to see pop up in municipalities around this country. And what it is, is when residents get to vote on the budget in a very direct way. So like a city council might take two or three percent of its budget from its like discretionary fund and say, okay, instead of us as council members or staff sitting around here, like dreaming up and drumming up project ideas, what if we just like made, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40, 50 thousand dollars available for members of the public, for residents to dream up projects they'd like (sighs) to see and then vote on them. And One of the things that I think is really, really cool about participatory budgeting and this process is that when we think about our representative democracy and the fact that, like, at the end of the day, our city council members will be the ones voting on whether or not to pass this budget, Emily, like, who gets to vote for those council members in elections? People who are registered voters, right? But, like, if you're... Hello, Canadian here, right? Like if you don't get to vote in an election, like that kind of feels like the end all be all. So with participatory budgeting, everyone gets to vote, whether you are undocumented, whether you are a citizen, whether you just like didn't get re-registered in time before an election. So it opens up public participation in budgeting, makes it so much more accessible and so much easier and frankly, way sexier. I think that sounds super fun. Participatory budgeting could be the future, but of course, South Salt Lake is much smaller than us. And so implementing these kinds of creative things is a little bit easier. Um, But just something to think about during budget season, because I think Salt Lake could be a great candidate for participatory budgeting. I agree. It's your city. It's your business. (laughs) It's your city. It's your business. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's.
Emily means transit queen. We finally have a plan for 21st South. Ay, ay, ay. We've got the plan. So Salt Lake City is redesigning 21st South. One of our main streets in this city uh, runs right through downtown Sugar House. And, Street is uh, generous, Emily. It's it's a mini highway. Okay, it's a highway. It's a highway. It exists to get people to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> be so much more, Allie. It could, it could be, be so, so much, much more. more. But You're what right. we're going to get is four lanes of traffic, an additional walking and biking path on the south side of the road. So I'm kind of imagining like what we've seen with the nine line on ninth south, you know, a very wide sidewalk. Yeah, just a bigger um, sidewalk, but it's shared. There's no like no specific designated bike lane. You're going to have bikes and pedestrians on the same path, which... Just saying, get your, e-bikes get your can horn go like ready. 25 miles per hour, but okay. Yes. Be careful yeah. walking around with your AirPods in. Um, that walking and biking path should eliminate street parking on that side of the road. So that's interesting. Um, the city is adding medians, trees. They're trying to slow down cars. They say they'll be able to move the same number of cars while better accommodating pedestrians <laughs> and cyclists. Um but guess what, Allie? Like, the bike bros and our street advocacy organizations are not having it. They are not into this plan. And I don't blame them. I'm with them on this one. I mean, so we're talking about a stretch of 21st South that is basically from D's to Chick-fil-A. That's how I think of it. Right? <laughs> Those are this the is... main landmarks, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when it was announced that they were considering this redesign of 2100 South, I think a lot of Sugar House residents thought that they were going to get a Main Street Sugar House. Like, part of what makes that road such a nightmare is that people treat it like a, like a super highway, or I've heard yeah. the word strode thrown around a street road, right? People treat it like it's a thoroughfare because it is, but then it's also where all of the sort of like businesses and and restaurants are like it is sugar house's kind of main street like it's sugar house's downtown right you've got what people sitting outside at wasatch brew pub you've got like all those little businesses and yoga studios along there and then at the same time it sometimes you drive through it like you're on state street like you're just blinders on trying to get whatever to the park or up to rest in peace blue plate diner so I mean, I think the feeling was like, okay, this is an opportunity to take a big swing. And instead, the city is trying to please all parties. And they're basically saying, we're not going to eschew cars in any way from this road. We're just going to try and slow them down. So, like, not even a designated bike lane, like... I don't know. Are we? Could we even call it a redesign? Seems like redesign is a stretch. Like, they're just making the road a little more narrow. The Sweet Streets Advocacy Group says uh, that this is basically in direct conflict with the city's Vision Zero goals, which the the mayor named, I think, this January. Uh, they're looking to have zero traffic fatalities, basically, mm. because last year we had 26 traffic-related deaths in Salt Lake City alone. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know that, like, as a pedestrian, I don't feel safe on many streets in Salt Lake. I feel like I'm way too close to traffic. So, um, you know, it'll be nice to have kind of a wider sidewalk in Sugar House, but uh, cars still go real fast. Cars go fast, and that's concerning. Cars go fast, and listen, and so do bikes. Again, we are in an e-bike revolution, and if the city is about to roll out a rebate program (laughs) or a voucher program, God help us, 
Those things go fast and they weigh like 50 pounds. Okay. Like I think like shared pedestrian and bike paths don't even really make a ton of sense. And people behave, everyone's got their headphones in. I mean, we can't mm-hmm. even figure out who should be moving to what side on trails. Like, we right. haven't even got that down in this city, right? Like, Who among us hasn't almost been slammed by a scooter? Yeah. Right? Raise your hand. <laughs> Raise no your hand if you've been raised. personally victimized by a lime. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess I think people were hoping for something more exciting here. We're not getting it. But you know what? That's bureaucracy, baby. Buckle in. All right, Emily. What are you up to this weekend? Allie, you will be pleased to know that I am doing something this weekend. What? Guess what I'm doing. I'm going outside. Oh my God. I am going to Escalante, Utah to see the natural wonders of the world that exist there. Can you believe it? Sound of Allie falling to her knees. (laughs) <laughs> Are you okay? Door um, slam. But don't get too excited. I am not camping. There's no way I would ever do that. You're not camping? But I am going to hike. Does that count for anything? Yeah. Escalani is beautiful. Are you impressed or what? I'm so impressed. You're going to have Thank a great you. time. Have you been to Escalani before? I actually have. And you know what? The last time I was there, I did camp and I hated it with every fiber <laughs> of my being. So we're going to try you, it again. You'll try have a, a lovely tack. day of hiking and then you can go to the Escalani Outfitters and get one of those brick oven pizzas and a beer. All right. That place All is right. charming. Plan my Sit weekend outside. for me. Yeah. Okay. I'll send I over an it. itinerary. Please do. Please do. All right. What's on tap for you this weekend? Well, local horse girl here reporting for duty. And this weekend is the Kentucky Derby. And I'm going to be watching that for all. That'll that'll keep me busy for 60 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) That I'll have to fill my time the rest of the weekend. There are some local businesses that always throw down a good time. The Laurel is having a derby Mm. party, which will be a really fun place to like put on some seersucker and have a mint julep. And yes, I will wear a hat. Thank you. Thank I'm going to be out there with the derby peeps, which is basically the opposite of hiking in Escalante. <laughs> and then here's what else I'm going to do this weekend. So last weekend saw the triumphant return of DJ Oscar, who we've talked about on this show before. He hosts the Latino block party at Exchange Place Last summer, he was doing it every Friday and Saturday, and that is such a special, special thing that happens in our city for a million reasons, mostly because there are not many bars downtown that play Spanish-language songs for more than, like, a minute. You get the Mexican minute where they will throw you, like, one Bad Bunny song on the dance floor. He plays only Spanish-language songs. He sets up at, like, midnight. All of Exchange Place is just, like, thudding with people. It's teeming. It's this massive block party, street party. The vibes are impeccable. Producer Ivana Martinez and I danced until 3.30 in the morning last Saturday. Oh, my God. And I'm hoping he is back this weekend, but... Sometimes Salt Lakers don't know how to act and we can't have nice things. So there have been threats of the party going away. But hopefully, hopefully I'll be dancing in the streets while you are hiking. Hopefully you're cumbia-ing in the streets. Um, I loved the conversation between you and producer Yvonne Martinez last year when you talked about how important it is to have a space like this in Salt Lake. So highly recommend that conversation. We'll link it in the show notes as well. But yeah, listen, would love to dance to reggaeton with you 
at <laughs> DJ Oscars at a reasonable time. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. It doesn't really get going until one a.m. So, but we oh, yeah, we could put you in DJ Oscar boot camp. Could All right, do. I'm ready. Keep you up later and later every night until the like Saturday pinnacle, and you're ready to go until four a.m. And then with I the rest sleep the entire week after. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's how it works, baby. All right, Emily, happy trails, friend. Can't Thank wait you for you to much. report back on your big, big adventure this weekend. Yeah, and, looking uh, forward to it. I'll see you Monday. See you Monday. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Teri Ria, and our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. You have a great weekend.